Paul Barkish on 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday's suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Although the way the Bulls start games and the way they can go through the middle of them, they seem to be stealing my act. We are connecting with Habarkish, senior NFL analyst, and we will talk football bears with him. Later on this hour, I have a stat that will make every fan in Chicago happy, even the traditionally miserable White Sox fans. And next hour, 1 o'clock, from SB Nation, writer, editor, high muckamuck in charge of programming at SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell, will talk about the aforementioned Bulls, as he suggested yesterday, as he tweeted out, <clears throat> Bulls and Raptors yesterday set basketball back 50 years. And for a while, you're surprised, only 50? I don't know. I don't know if there wasn't a whole bunch of visions of peach baskets being given. And Cultural Zeitgeist, we have Sean put together an opening for cult- the Cultural Zeitgeist. We will bring that to you. And the most... Famous lead in sports writing had an anniversary this week. Listen up. Listen up, Notre Dame fans, even though I find the school filled with sanctimonious frauds. I got stories to tell you about the greatest lead in sports writing. But for now, we're going to go back to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And welcome, senior NFL analyst on the score, Hub Arkish. And I made the point before, Hub, that the senior means you're just higher on the food chain, not that we're ageists around here. (laughs) Well, I I think it means both, Steve. I think, you know, I've been doing it a long time, and I'm old. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, right. Well, that's good. I'm going to have respect for that. That's experience. (laughs) So you – I – I've not. I wanted you to share with the class what you thought of the Bears' starting quarterback last week and going forward into this week. Well, you know, for starters, he obviously did very well. You know, considering where he came from and what his experience is and what they thought they had, and that he got their first home win in a year and uh, didn't make any mistakes. So that was the most important thing. I think actually it was the second most important thing. I think the most important thing is not only did he not make any mistakes, but he made decisions and he did things that, you know, veteran quarterbacks sometimes don't make. And I think that's what's exciting about him. The physical talent is good. I don't, I don't think it's special. Um, the size is, is very good. And so everything about him suggests that they may have a quarterback here. You know, now whether he is – the future is a starting quarterback, whether he is the future is a really quality number two. We don't know that yet. You know, and you got to play a lot more football to figure that out. But for the first time out, I think it was, uh, you know, something that he should feel very good about that the team should feel good about. And that now we have more to learn. So he'll face a different looking defense in some ways worse than the one he just beat in other ways, potentially terrifying with the pass rushers they have. And the chargers have always been, such a, a curious group that falls apart at the end and, and you just, they I've never figured them out and I don't know what awaits what do you see on film what do you anticipate awaits Tyson Bajant this week 
Well, I, I think you nailed it. They're going to rush him like mad, you know, and they're going to try and force him to make even quicker decisions and see if he can make the right ones. And they're going to try and force him to make mistakes, which he's made, you know, one mistake in the time that he's played. The interception at the end of the first game when he came in for Justin, uh, I still haven't figured out what happened there, whether he underthrew the ball, whether maybe his arm got grabbed as he was throwing it, but it's the, it's the one that he's made. But the bottom line is the Chargers are going to score some points and the Bears are going to have to score points. And so they're going to try and force Bajent into making the mistakes that young quarterbacks make, you know, when, when they're anxious or desperate to uh, to score more points. And, you know, we'll see how he does. I think it's exciting. I think it's going to be very interesting. It's Sunday night football. Everybody's going to make a big deal about, you know, the Division Two stuff and the undrafted free agent and everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's the first game of the season that I personally, I, I won't speak for other fans, but it's the first one that I've been really looking forward to and excited about seeing what could happen and, and not really knowing, you know, I, I think that, what has not gotten enough coverage this week is how much this defense has improved over the last three weeks, you know, and, and the defense really kept Bajent in that game last week. Now this is a better offense that they're going to face with a real quarterback. And so um, if, if the defense plays the way they have the last couple of weeks um, and Tyson just doesn't make mistakes, they got a chance to pull an upset here. I, I, I don't think, anybody you know can look at these two rosters and say oh i'm going to pick the bears because i think they're a better team that's not there yet but uh the, the chance that it can be very competitive and fun to watch and that they can get a win i think that's real and i think that's probably a little bit more right now about how much the defense has improved in the last three weeks than it is about Beijing. now the defensive has improved because the head coach previously a defensive coordinator is now the defensive coordinator is calling the signals and he's calling more blitzes, and they are actually putting a little more pressure on the quarterback. They're showing a little more um, varied scheme, so they're making the other team guess. What else have you noticed about that defense? Why is it playing better compared to earlier in the year? Well, I think the defensive line in particular has been much better the last couple of weeks, and that is with uh, some of the you know free agents who are young veteran free agents getting comfortable with uh, flus and with the system and what they're doing and then some of the, the the draft choices the kids are starting to make some plays and so you know all of that is promising but at the end of the day they have created they haven't gotten the sacks but they have created pressure and the way they played the run is really impressive i mean they were the worst run defense in the league last year and now they're top 10 you know uh and, and that's important and and so i think that really helps i think that um, you know, the linebackers are playing well, and they've got so many good young corners. They got a little healthier in the secondary last week. They've got some more injuries again this week, but uh, they have they have real talent in the secondary. They have a chance to have a very good secondary as these younger players continue to develop, and all of that has started to, you know, evolve now that uh, that Fluce is running it. My guest is Habarka. She's making his regular appearance here, senior NFL analyst on The Score, and that's the radio station you're listening to. Jalen Johnson has, um, seems to me, he's a guy you want to keep on your roster. If you're looking, if you're always looking to upgrade talent, you want to keep the talent you have. And he plays a, what could be called a premium position. Maybe it's not quarterback or pass rusher, but it's in the team picture for something like that. And I know he doesn't have the takeaways. He doesn't have the picks to to justify a lot of money, but he seems to be a guy you want. And he seems to handle himself in all this discussion in a very professional, mature way that I'm not sure a lot of 
players could. So give me your your impressions of Jalen Johnson on and off the field. Well, pretty much I agree with everything you just said. You know, he's uh, it is an important position, and he plays it very well. The lack of interceptions uh, until last week is a concern as to how good or how special he can be. It's not a concern as to whether he's any good or not. We know he's good. And and I think you made the most important point is that at some point, you know, you got to, now that you're developing these guys and that's what they've done with him, you got to find a way to keep them. You know, now, does he want silly money? Does he want to be a top paid cornerback? He's not, he can't be a top paid cornerback. He's not a top cornerback, but he plays a special position. And at that position, um, they are tough to find and, and they've got something now. The other issue that, that is a problem here is that the, the health issues, I mean, the number of games that have been missed, the injuries, it's not his fault. Nobody's blaming him for it. But before you're going to, you know, pay someone uh, high end money, I don't want to call it top money because you're not going to pay him top money. You have to be comfortable that you can keep him on the field. And, and, and then if, I think if he continues to play the way he's played, the interceptions are going to come. A lot of that is sometimes just situations, just got to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, uh, that doesn't worry me so much. So I think, though, that, that they understand now that they're going to be, when they make this decision, they're going to be the end of the first year of the rebuild. And so now they're going to be looking at what else do we have to do. You don't want to create another need. <laughs> you don't want to start to fill those needs. And so I think they would probably like to sign him from the, the questions we've asked and the answer we've gotten. Um, you know, they haven't said anything to suggest that they don't want to. But as we hear from players occasionally saying things, we read too much into it. They obviously haven't gotten close to a deal yet or it would be done. Um, and in his case, I'm just wondering if they're not waiting, if they're not going to trade him. You know, you're not going to get that much to trade him to make it worth having to go out and try and find somebody to replace him. Um, but whether they, you know, try and get a deal done before the end of the season, that I think is a real possibility. And, and a lot of that is going to be decided again over the next couple of weeks if he stays healthy and he, you know, continues to make plays and, and plays the way he's doing it. Now, the other thing that's important is he, as you pointed out, he seems to be very good in the locker room, on the field, the other players, you know, and as you're rebuilding and you're adding all these kids, you need that. And and so I think there is much more reason to re-sign him than there is to let him move on. The question is, is he or his agent going to be unrealistic about the money they want? Because he's not going to be one of the top three or four paid, you know, corners in the league. That's just not going to happen. And uh, I don't know, you know, how they feel about that, he and his agent. You said you don't expect him to be traded. The trade deadline is Halloween. It is on Tuesday. Bears, buyers, sellers, or just sitting this one out? I think they sit with this one out. You know, I think they're trying to continue to figure out what they have. If there is a young player that might be available, it's like the whole Chase Claypool thing and how badly that went. You know, Uh, they didn't overpay for him at the time. You go back to his rookie year. He had over 800 yards. He had nine touchdowns. They gave up a second round pick. Didn't seem that bad, you know, but then when you realize that some of the, well, when you realize some of the issues that came with him, uh, you know, then that's when it turned out to be bad, and it was a mistake. And, and, and Ryan Poles, I just acknowledged that by cutting the cord as quickly as he did. Um, so to be making moves right now when you still have so much more to fix or add, unless you think that somebody else is moving a potentially special player, you know, a future Pro Bowl type guy who isn't going to bring the kind of off the field stuff that the Claypool bought. 
I, I just don't see them being involved right now. And as far as dealing anybody, I mean, what are you going to get if you trade John? You're not going to get you know that much to make it worthwhile. So I don't expect anything to happen between now and Tuesday. And if it does, I think they're going to be more low under minor moves. Well, the the name that that piques my curiosity is Brian Burns of um, Carolina, because I don't think DJ Moore was the first guy Ryan Poles asked for. I think Burns was. And Carolina said no. And so that to me, that at least some of the stories I've heard, that that would make that a name still in play or of interest to the Bears, given what they need. And I don't know if that's live or not. And what he might what do you think he might be worth in the trade market? Well, again, that's the issue. I, I think there's other things going on with Carolina, though, that could make that difficult. I think Federer, uh, the GM, is getting more and more pressure right now uh, for the trade that he made with the Bears and then the quarterback that he used it on. Not that this kid should be judged you know, by any means after, what is it, seven, eight weeks. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not looking good right now. They weren't the worst team in the league last year. I think that uh, – you know, they were sitting there at 10 with the deal that they made. Um, now they're sitting there with possibly the number one overall pick. And, um, you know, they, they've got some pieces. I don't know that they're going into the complete rebuild that the Bears went into. Um, but I think for them to be, uh, you know, unless it's adding draft picks, that they would want to do. Um, but they'd probably want somebody to overpay for them. And with having more here, to go, you know, overpay for another one of their receivers, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, I can't see the Ryan Poles giving away the number one draft pick again if it, if it were, hey, you want this guy? Then give us back our draft pick. I don't see that happening. I just wondered where uh, it seems like the offseason, people's idea of what a player's value is, uh, and I'm talking about the people in the, in the football front offices, just seems to grow. It just seems to be... And, and then you get into the season and there's film and, and recency buy and says, well, God, the team's not any good. If they were any good, he'd be, he'd be making a difference for that team. And the value of that player seems to drop. That's kind of the, the roller coaster. You've talked to scouts. You've talked to GMs. Is that the way it works? Or is it, is it tougher keeping a clear head as you approach this trade deadline? It's far easier to do it in the offseason. Yeah, I think the teams that are potentially active right now are the teams who are buying. They're, they're not the teams that are selling. You know, if you think that there is a player or a couple of players out there that can make you a playoff team, or, or if you're a playoff team and they think they can help you win playoff games, you know, those are the teams that are going to be aggressive and be active right now. In a situation like both the Panthers and the Bears are, I just – I don't think – this is important, that important to them right now as far as what they might be able to add or not add. I think they're more focused on what they can do with what they already have. And I think in that regard, the, you know, the Panthers are probably in a similar situation to the Bears. They've got a little more work to do now because the Bears are a year ahead of them in the rebuild. Um, so I'm not saying that they wouldn't make that deal, but I do think they would expect somebody to overpay. And I don't think that Ryan Poles is going to be willing to do that right now. Olin Cruz, one last question about um, the the two last questions about the quarterbacks. Olin Cruz said, if he were Justin Fields, he would go and ask for a trade because they're going to insist on. They have insisted. The film tells Olin Cruz they put him in this 
you're, you're a drop-back passer. You're going to throw from the pocket. That's the way we do things because of our scheme, as opposed to what Owen says is building an offense around this guy's skills. What do you think of that thought, of that idea? Well, yeah, it really is two different questions. I mean, whether Justin should be looking for a trade or asking for a trade, uh, I don't think a third-year player at the age of 23 or 24 is is in that spot. You know, that, that sends the wrong message. You know, that, that's going to worry other teams, too, that he wants out and that he's asking for it. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that would be a good idea for him. Now, should the Bears consider making a deal? That's a whole different question because then – you're kind of in a little in, in one respect you're almost going backwards because as as good as this quarterback class is supposed to be suddenly all of a sudden the USC kid you know you got questions about him you know mm-hmm. who 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 is the kid you're going to take here I, you know this is hard for me because I'm a Michigan alum and anytime I say anything good about Michigan uh you know people oh you know you're biased uh, but J.J. McCarthy may prove to be the best quarterback in this group, uh, the way he's playing right now. Um, you know, and, and then you've got, you know, all these other kids. And so you're just taking another risk. You know, um, I, if they feel that they know everything about Fields and that he's not going to be the answer, then yes, go ahead and deal him because you've, you've got these two picks to work with. You can get probably the guy you would want if you were ready to take that chance. And it would be Poles drafting his guy. He didn't draft Fields. So, so that could make sense. But I, I just – I have my doubts about Fields because he doesn't read the field well enough and because his accuracy isn't that great. And those are the two most unlikely things to fix. The accuracy you can probably make better. I don't know if you can get it to where you want it. Um, but the reading the field, I don't know if you can teach that. I've always kind of believed that quarterbacks are more born that way. That's why a Tom Brady comes out you know, at the end of the draft and becomes the greatest of all time uh, because you couldn't read his mind. And so – um, I think that, you know, you get hopefully get Justin healthy and get him back on the field in the next couple of weeks. You get another six, seven, eight games to continue to work with him. You know, you saw the numbers he put up in those last two games before he got hurt. He was still making some of the same mistakes that people have ignored because the numbers were so big. Um, but you, you got to finish the process with him before you move him. Now, the longer you wait, the less he is worth because the more other teams know about him too. But you can't, you can't, you know, figure out everything and get everything perfect. So I just, I, I think, you know, if Justin were to ask for a deal, I think they'd say not now. Um, but, you know, this is, again, the risk of overreacting to patients because you don't know what you have in Tyson Bajan. It's just fun that you have something and that we're going to get to watch it. But I don't think you can trade field thinking we're going to develop Bajan. I think if you're trading field is what the plan with the extra picks you've already got to get another one, uh, you know, in the next draft. Okay, let's play what if before I let you go. Bajan throws for 250 yards, two touchdowns. On Sunday night, and the Bears beat the Chargers, and they do it on the road. And Justin Fields says, my thumb's better. I can grip a football. I want to grip the football as as QB1. Do you start him, or do you start Bajan? No, I think you have to start Fields. I, I think Flus handled that right by immediately saying he's our number one. When he's healthy, he goes because they don't have all the answers yet. And I do think that's what has to happen because there's no negative with Bajan. Even if what you just said happens, and I think it could, and even if it does, 
he knows Fields is a starter right now. If Fields is healthy, he plays. So I don't think it hurts Bajan in any way. So I think you have to put Justin back at number one. He didn't do anything to lose that. He was playing his best football, you know, when he got hurt. And so you don't take the position away from him just because you got this other kid who just played two games. You know, the, one of the things that's been driving me nuts is, is what both media and fans call franchise quarterbacks these days. Brock Purdy suddenly has disappeared in the last couple of weeks, and it wasn't the injury. He wasn't playing well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you ask yourself why. It's because he's a young quarterback who's only got, what, 12 games or whatever it is under his belt. So, no, I, I think when Justin is healthy, he's still your starter. He was still being built as the future. There's still a chance that could happen, and I think you have to put him back on the field because if you do, if he's healthy and you don't let him play, then you're creating a whole new set of problems, and you don't need more problems than now. You need answers. All right. Well, thanks for your answers, Hub. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Always feel- fun visiting with you, buddy. All right. Feel good. Thanks. Yeah, have appreciate a good show. Hub Arkish, senior NFL analyst on the score. And let me tell you about a Monday on the score. You tune in all day, all day Monday for reaction to Bears Chargers. Mike Esposito will be live overnight from midnight to 5 a.m., followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your workday. So hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game, Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. Take a break, and when I come back, I have a stat that will make every Chicago fan smile. I know that's hard to do in these times, especially miserable White Sox fans, although I think that's redundant, miserable and White Sox fans. But I have a stat that will make you smile and lead to a question of where we go now. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Sucker, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Our defense has just absolutely sucked. Seawall to strike away. Here he comes. Cave, a fly ball to right field over his Carroll. He's got it. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series. The Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant. And the Fall Classic will return to the desert for the first time in 22 years. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That is courtesy of TBS. The Phillies lost game six and seven at home to Arizona in the World Series. Arizona looked like it was going to go on to a game one World Series victory. And then... Corey Seager happened because apparently in road games in the World Series, the Diamondbacks have played four of them. In three of those games, they've given up a two-run home run in the ninth inning. I've never heard of such a stat. And in the other one, they beat Mariano Rivera to win the World Series in the ninth inning. But what I, I wanted that highlight played because the Phillies... Well, let's, let's run this down in game six and seven. Kyle Schwarber, one for five. Trey Turner, 0 for eight. Bryce Harper, 0 for seven. Nicholas Castellanos, 0 for eight. That's a combined 128 from a guy who was a Cub in Schwarber, a guy who was a Cub in Castellanos, 
A guy wanted to be a cub in Harper. In fact, he named his dog Wrigley. And a guy in Turner that a lot of people wanted to be a cub. One for 28. So cub. And the Phillies have all those guys. And now what happened was, thanks to Optostats, we know this. Philadelphia has now lost seven consecutive Game 7s in the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. I'm not talking about the Phillies. I'm talking about all of the that is a that is the longest game 7 losing streak by a metro area in history. Philadelphia. Now you might think Chicago has that, right? Cuz we we have so many chokers here. But no. Now maybe you say they choke, they can't even get to game 7. The 76ers have lost four game 7s, four straight game 7s. The Flyers have lost two. The Phillies have lost one. The metro area of Philadelphia has won, has lost seven straight game sevens. That's right. Don't you feel better, even White Sox fans? You probably don't. Because the White Sox celebrated 18, 18 years ago, right? 18 years ago this week. Yeah, don't stop believing. Yeah, they won a World Series. So that World Series banner is now old enough to vote. <laughs> didn't even think. Seven years ago, in its infancy by comparison, the Cubs have now become the 85 Bears. See, ESPN doesn't admit that the White Sox exist. They never list the White Sox title. They don't exist. But the Cubs, the Cubs won that title. It was supposed to be sustained success. There was supposed to be more to come. And what the Cubs did was they choked around earlier each successive year. No world. They won the World Series. No, we're not going to get there this time. No, we're not going to get to the NLCS this time. No, we're not going to get to the NL. No, we're going to lose the playoff game. Oh, we're going to lose a tiebreaker. God, we suck. Yes, you are. You're fired, Joe Madden. So, even though the White Sox title is 18 years ago and the Cubs title is seven, the Cubs title seems longer to me somehow. So the White Sox and Cubs are back to choking. This stat brought me to this point. They're back to choking. The Bulls and Sox have ownership that is committed to embarrassing itself at all turns. The Bears, again, they can't get the quarterback right. They are clueless. And I, then I look at the Blackhawks. And I think they're the team. We have no idea. We don't even care if they win anymore. We just care whether Connor Bedard scores. Like I said earlier, is the Tiger on the tour, Tiger Woods on the tour. does not matter that Rory's leading. Where's Tiger? What did Tiger shoot? Did Connor score? Oh, by the way, they beat the Vegas Knights in overtime. So I think the Blackhawks are closest in Chicago to winning a game seven. I I think they're closest to winning the next Chicago title. They have the best prospect in a generation, so it is said. Those guys, they don't always win. See Connor McDavid and Eric Lindros for details. But Mario won. He was he was that guy. Sid won. He was that guy. The they have a lot of the 
the Hawks have that player to start with. They won the lottery first overall. They got Connor Bedard. And I really, about that whole draft idea, the whole draft situation, I really wanted Kyle from Chicago to open his post-draft press conference. Was we're really happy to have Connor Bedard. We were surprised he was still available. That's what I wanted him to say. And he's got the sense of humor to do it, but he didn't. Think about it. 312-644-6767. You can text me. You can call. 312-644-6767. I promise we'll answer the phone here. Who? Which Chicago team it will win the next title? I mean, if you look at the Cubs now, they don't seem to believe in home runs. Even though half the runs scored in this postseason have come from home runs. And Jed Jed Hoyer thought, well, we'll just catch the ball better and we'll pitch the ball better. And we don't need a lot of power. And they lost their real big power guy. And then they didn't catch the ball as well anymore. And they choked. I mean, Seiya Suzuki was supposed to be an answer, and there he is missing a fly ball. If he catches that fly ball, do you realize the Diamondbacks, who are in the World Series, probably don't get to the playoffs, right? Do you believe Jed Hoyer is going to put together the next championship team in Chicago? God, I hope so. God, I hope so. 312-644-6767. All right, then there's the White Sox. Let's look at the White Sox. How close are they to a title? They don't even know who to hire as a manager. They hired a waste of laundry detergent as their manager, and the guy they wouldn't even talk to is managing the Texas Rangers in the World Series. If if Bruce Bochy says he wants to manage, you hire him, period. That's it. It's what you do. So, he has three World Series rings, and somebody will say, well, so did Tony Russo. I said, but Bruce Bochy's awake. See, that's the difference. Bruce Bochy's not on a DUI waiver or whatever it is. And now you've got the guy, you've got a miserable farm team, and what they did was they promoted the guy responsible for that miserable, the miserable baseball fundamentals. Horrible defense, stupid base running, lack of discipline and hitting. Okay, are they going to be the next team to win the World Series or win a championship in Chicago? Then you got the Bulls. Same family owns them. You know what? We're going to run it back. Remember how we had our three best players, our three highest paid players? We don't have a big three. We just have three guys, and they all choked down the stretch against Miami when it mattered most. We lost a lead in the last eight minutes of a play-in game. And we're going to run it back. You know why? Because we're going to run it back. Because we believe in running it back. Why? Because we're going to run it back. Only you say that. Say that with a Lithuanian accent, I guess. It makes zero sense. It's just he's fast becoming Lithuanian for Garpax. So do you think they're going to win the next title? They got... Max Levine is 0 for the 23-24 season in anything that's good except one assist. And 
DeMar DeRozan is a prime trade candidate, and Nikola Vucevic decided to resign here. If he's so good, if he thought he was so good, if other people thought he was so good, why didn't he sign elsewhere for more money? I would never root for a team that would have it that Nikola Vucevic wants to play for. I mean, it's just like, come on, if you're really good, and now you got to yell at the coach because the coach isn't doesn't have any kind of teaching ability to get these guys to play together. There's your bull. Okay, are they going to win the next title here? And we've seen the Bears clueless at quarterback for several generations the most important position in the game. And right now, some people are probably afraid that Tyson Bajan's going to throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns, and they're going to beat the Chargers. And Justin Fields is going to have to come in and play. Because he's ready. Because who's running that team? Who's running that roster? Is the coach? Does he get to choose his quarterback? Or is he being told who to choose? Because the general manager has to look at this guy. Ryan Poles didn't draft Justin Fields. Ryan Poles did sign Tyson Bajan. And that team, does that look like a team? Can't get the quarterback position right? That they're going to win the next title? And that leaves the Blackhawks. They have a generational prospect. Whether he becomes a generational player... We don't know, but he's scoring. He's going to score goals. He's the kind of guy everybody tanks for. He's the kind of guy you build everything around. You start with that guy. What other teams in the city of Chicago have that player? You look at the best player on every team, in this town, and I would, I would look at Louis Robert and say that is a tremendous talent, young, powerful, plays defense, got to stay healthy. And it goes for any sport, but we've seen his history. But there's no other team in Chicago who has a Connor Bedard quality prospect. Nobody, not going to happen. I think the Hawks are closest to winning the next Chicago title. But Chicago, just be happy you're not Philadelphia, a city that has seen its teams lose seven straight game sevens. And, by the way, bonus, just lost the Super Bowl. There you go. 312-644-6767. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Chicago teams are doing an excellent job in my stead. If you've got other ideas, who do you think, who is going to win the next title in Chicago? 312-644-6767. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Come on! Suck, you stupid clown! It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Turns and fires, and it's... Snared by Vlasic, and now Felino. Carter Bedard scores! And the Hawks have tied in the first period. Lethal wrist shot, put it on his tape. A little bit of time, he rolled that from the heel to the toe, and thanks for coming. 
Credit to NBC Sports Chicago on the call. Connor Bedard scored last night. That's all you need to know. By the way, the Blackhawks beat the Knights. And it wasn't last night. It was just the afternoon. Like Nevada Day, something or other thing happened in there. Five our time. That meant three in the afternoon there. So that's the heat of get out of the heat and get up, come into the ice rink in Vegas. So I think White Sox, uh, the Blackhawks are the closest. Are they going to win the next title in Chicago? Because of that guy. You start with that guy. No other team's going to start with that guy. And, you know, another part of it I thought about during the break was I didn't mention there's there's no outstanding coach or manager. There's nobody who says this is nothing screams this is the guy you're going to follow. Right? You're not Bill, no Bill Belichick here. Of course, you wouldn't want him. Now he might be here soon because he apparently can't coach anymore. And And there's not that guy that that makes it gives you gravitas gives these teams gravitas so i look at the players i look at the talent and how the organization texter 309 texter cubs have the best roster built to take the next step with some key additions to compete for the title next but i feel like the hawks are there too the white Sox and bulls are farthest since they have to tear down entirely you know the cubs act like a small market team so i'm not really I don't see them doing that. And I also, I see Texas, everybody's going to point to the Mets. Look at the Mets, they suck. They fired their manager, they spent all that money. Yeah, well, you know, the Rangers spent a lot of money too. And they spent a lot of money on Jacob deGrom and he got hurt. And their manager and their pitching coach figured it out. They had a roster put together and they were managed to, the way the Astros came at them during the season and in the postseason. Yeah, that's what you need. There's no manager like that here. Nobody that I've seen. The A15 text Cubs are the closest. Blackhawks are starting to become interesting. 262 Hubs out. Hawks have no power play and refuse to the goalie oh, and refuse to get the goalie right since Crawford left. Okay, I'm just saying. 217 says let's not crown Bedard as the next Wayne Gretzky yet. Well, you can't because Gretzky was never drafted in the NFL, NHL. He wasn't. He was absorbed and then traded to Edmonton from Indianapolis. He was absorbed in the Bercher. The Hawks are one of the worst teams in the NHL. That's right. That's how they got Bedard, by being one of the worst teams. 312-644-6767. Ron on the south side, welcome to the score. Hey, Steve. Uh, enjoy your show every Saturday. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the Blackhawks, but I, I think it's the Cubs. And, and, and look, as a Sox fan... For over fifty some years, uh, I tell you, uh, but it's uh, I think it's the Cubs and, and a couple of reasons, Steve. It's just kind of the nature of baseball. You look at these, you know, teams that's in the World Series and lost. So I think the opportunity is, is just better in in, in baseball. Uh, they do again. I'm not a Cub fan, but I'm a baseball fan, and I know they have a pretty decent uh, farm system. They have the money, the resources. So I would say the Cubs, but I know the team that's the furthest away. It's not even close. Is the White Sox. I don't even think they want to win. I believe that position that they hit when the guy talked about Jerry Reinsdorf said, hey, just kind of be in second place with Jerry. That's not even working. You're a last place team. I don't believe they want to win. And lastly, Steve, they can make all the 
front office moves, bringing different uh, coaches for the upcoming season. As long as you keep that quote unquote core, the team is going to be terrible. And again, they have no pitch. You have, they have one player, and he's very good. You have no pitching staff. You have no farm system. So this team may not even be here a few years from now. So that's it, Steve. Have a good day. Thanks. You too, Ron. Sorry for that. Sorry for being a – sorry you're a White Sox fan. It's It must be painful. And at times you must wish and hope and, and pray that they do move away so that they're not your problem anymore. I'm Possible. Why not? Tony in Wonder Lake, welcome to the score. Hey, thank you for taking my call, sir. Thank you, you for know, making it, talking, sir. How's your Saturday going? You know, my Saturday is wonderful. You know, I why? What's the best? What's the best thing about your Saturdays? You know, just being alive. You know, you have a philosophy. I have a philosophy. It's a good goal. That there's a conscious choice to be made every morning. You can choose to wake up miserable or happy. I choose to wake up happy, my friend. Excellent. I wake up next to the woman I love. I think I win. Me too. Okay. I win too, absolutely. All right. So you were you were splashing a little hockey in, and I wanted to make a comment about something that happened a few nights ago. Connor Bedard had a beautiful goal taken away from him because Vegas bailed themselves out of a turnover by claim, claiming the offside thing for the review. I agree it's a legitimate call in the NHL. There's nothing we can do about it. However, there needs to be some kind of a, a rule implemented that if it's not a flow of the game offside that leads to a goal and it's a dump and chase situation, there has to be some kind of a time limit restriction on how long it can go by before you can make that call. That was terrible. All Vegas did was bail themselves out of a really bad turnover by a good player. Well, there is a rule. It's called offsides. Don't be offsides. I, I, I understand your frustration. And this, it, you can say, well, this didn't lead to anything. It didn't matter. And that's not the way they write the rules. Because the problem with that kind of replay is it needs to be black and white. You don't want, do you really want NHL officials having more subjectivity added to the decision-making process? No, not at all. No, See, and, but, that's what, but that's what you're asking is how long... Well, how long is too long? What's a normal, what, 60 seconds? If you're saying, well, they can't, it's 60 seconds later, you can't do this. Well, but it was offsides, and that's a hard and fast rule, just like you want to make 60 seconds a hard and fast rule. So you want to get away from the, the hard and fast rule, which I understand. You don't want to create another one, maybe, but you're adding subjectivity to it, and then you're making NHL officials go, oh, well, what do we think about this? What did they mean? You don't want to put NHL officials in the position to start like reading minds or making up, seeing what the play looked like because they just saw it on the ice and now they're looking at it on tape. And I just, I think you're adding to the problems. What do they see? What do they do? And I understand your frustration, but at some point, a rule's got to end. I mean, it's got to, it's got to have its set time, and that's it. You're offside. You're not. That's as simple as that's as simple as they can do. Tony, I appreciate the call. All right, we're going to take a break. E. I'm going to take a break. And next hour, we'll feature Wake and Bake Club news, a faster-acting pot brownie, and it's locally made. Where have you been all our lives? Cultural zeitgeist, we'll do that. 
the most famous lead in sports writing history had an anniversary, and I tried to connect on LinkedIn with Tyson Bajan to tell you how that went. And Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation will be here to talk Bulls. I don't know. I honestly don't know what SB stands for in SB Nation, but I assume it's Sucky Bulls, since that's why we're having Ricky O'Donnell on. We will find out. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Peter, you suck. Peter, you suck.